All right. Good morning. Yeah, we love you, man. I changed my sermon because of you, by the way. Doesn't mean we're getting out faster. Just means that I changed some things. But uh, so you're going to see me do this like, um, you know, a bride, you know, trying not to get mascara all over her makeup or run or whatever it does. Uh, But it is so good uh, to be here today. And, you know, I'm not a real like I'm not a very introspective person. Um, I also forgot how bright these lights were. Uh, but, um, you know, and coming up here, it's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to go get sent office. You know, I mean, obviously, it's a fond place. We love this place. It's changed our lives. Jesus has done much, uh, you know, around us, in spite of us, in us. Um, but not like, you know, I, I, like I need to channel my bin, you know, and think about like what, why is this going to be meaningful and sweet and, and like really sentimental. Um, but I just can't until I'm here and I'm like trying to get ready to preach and I'm just crying and blubbering. So uh, bear with me because all the sentiment is hitting me now. I did not process it ahead of time. So now you get to process it with me. Um, but let me, let me read this passage and then we'll, we'll dive in. Again, this is the big idea. If I just cry the rest of the time, I'm going to need some tissues for sure. A sleeve. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, goodness. Okay. Oh, and they're unopened, Jesse. Some kind of dirty trick. Thank you. Okay. Excuse me. Okay, let's go. So here is our takeaway. If I, if I cry the rest of the morning, we, we hold on to this. Remember, according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we need you. I need you to not, to cause me to not have to sniffle the rest of the sermon. Lord, we need you to move. I need you to put words in my mouth. God, I pray you close my mouth if their words are not of you. Lord, I pray for the family here. God, the, what you have stitched together and you have, you have, wrought through your blood over the last eight years. Lord, we are just so grateful for what you've done, and Lord, we're, we're begging for more. God, I pray, if anything, that we all just leave here a little bit frustrated and anxious for more. God, would you give us an edge Would you just give us uh, your work, and Lord, would you empower us with your way? God, lead us today in Jesus' name, amen. So what I want to do, I I had a a sermon written, um, and then I was talking to Adam at the retreat, and he's like, dude, where have you been, you know? (laughs) So, um, you know, we, we, tend, we, we left under really unusual circumstances and without really any notice. Uh, we didn't have much notice ourselves. Um, and so he's like, people really need to hear the story. So I'm going to do my best to not bore you to death with my story or our story or really what we call our God story. Um, and then I'm going to leave with a charge from Second Peter because in Second Peter, he literally is saying to the, to, to the saints, I am fixing to die. I'm not fixing to die that I'm aware of, but I am leaving. Therefore, I am treating this as such, and and we are going to have a charge as we exit because I feel responsibility and love and 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 so much um, and so much expectation for this family of God. So that's where we're going. But I, I want to share a story. So. You may not remember where you were on April 25th, 2019. I was just minding my own business, okay? That's all I was doing. We, were, we, we had just moved to Vernon, right? Gail Doolittle, she was renting us her house out of the kindness of her heart. She wanted to sell it to us. We were considering buying it. Um, and 
on, on April 25th of 2019, Ashley and I, we were actually scheduled to come be right over here and meet with the Wyndham and Windsor Housing Trust, you know, first-time buyers, see, like, all right, let's see how little, Corey, how little money Corey has and if he can manage to buy this house. Um, and that, that appointment got moved for some reason. They had a conflict. Something happened. Um, and so, you know, I didn't have to get off work early. Um, and and my, I was just, again, minding my own business what I would call joyfully content. It was a sweet ministry season. Felt like the elders, we were just all firing on all cylinders. The church, there was growth. The things were good. And I get a message from a friend. And it wasn't even like a text or like a formal email. It was a Facebook message. And it just said, hey, man, have you ever considered coming back south? I saw it, and I did like the swipe down and kind of swipe back up because I didn't want to deal with it. Uh, my, my initial thought was, no way. I didn't want to deal with it. I finally, like hours later, I texted him back and I'm, I said, hey, man, um, thanks so much. I mean, this like, I don't know what you're kind of getting at, but no, I have never considered going back south. You know, and he kind of comes back and, you know, he's like, well, I mean, this is a, a pretty unique opportunity, potentially like in the distance. And I'm like, okay. But I, I left, I, I, you know, we had that little exchange, and I could not help, and I don't know if anybody else has had this experience, but I could not help but feel like I'm just minding my own business, and all of a sudden something has just like drop kicked its way into like my atmosphere, and now I have to deal with it, right? It just felt like it had its arms wrapped around me, and that I could not just shrug it off. I don't know if anybody else has felt that, but that was what I was dealing with, and I felt that one other time when the Lord told us to go to Vermont. And I'm like, Lord, why would we go to Vermont? Because we're going to like the, like the really hard places. But we, Ashley and I, we just couldn't shake it. We couldn't shrug it off. And it just, I guess that's just how the Lord deals with people that are a little bit stubborn. So I feel like I'm feeling that way. And I remember that feeling, but I'm going like, Lord, I don't want to deal with this. And so I didn't. So I think it was finally April 27th of 2019 where I finally decided I really, the, the godly thing is to actually like take this before. And, and I did. And he wasted zero time. And he came to me sitting in my favorite rocking chair, drinking Folgers coffee. He said, you're too comfortable. You're about to buy a house and you don't need to. You're too comfortable. And there's not anything wrong with buying a house unless he tells you not to. And the second thing he said is, Corey, you'll go anywhere in the world but home. And I was like, ooh, okay. And immediately, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, all I could do was repent, right? That's the, there's, there's, there's only one option in that moment. When the Lord speaks, you're too much of this and you're too much of this. The only thing that you can do is get on your face and repent, so, chapter one. Now I'm going, okay, Lord, all right, yes, I, you're right, I am too comfortable, you're right, I would rather not go back to North Carolina. I hear you, and I'm willing. You know, just kind of throwing it out there. So, immediately, immediately, we begin to go, we can't buy this house. Like, we're, we don't know where we're going and we're really hoping it's not North Carolina, but we can't buy this house for sure. So we go and we tell Miss Gail, Gail, we love your house, uh, we, but we just can't, we can't, uh, we can't buy it. We go to the meeting for Windsor, Windsor or the, the housing trust, and they're like, oh, so you have a house picked out? I said, well, we did a few days ago, um, but now we actually can't buy it. And she's like, why not? I said, the Lord told us not to. She's like, you're a Christian. Turns out she's a believer right? And she's like, listen, you can't do this. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. So, so they're putting the house on the market, and it goes on the market, and uh, I'm like, surely, you know, this thing, because we're, we're not in a lease, like, surely this thing's not going to sell quickly. It's Vernon. It's 2019. It's pre-pandemic. You know, the same three houses have been for sale in Vernon for three, four years. It sells in a week's time to the first person that toured it. So now we're in, like, June, 
Uh, we've got nowhere to go. And I'm thinking, Lord, are you taking us away right now? Ben, Eric, and David are highly nervous at this moment. They're calling me and texting me going, Corey, are you, like, are you, you really can't leave right now. Are you leaving ASAP? And the Lord in the beginning of June made it very clear, no. Go back home. Like, like you're, stay in Brattleboro, but I am moving you. Period. Like, no more, no further info. So, you know, I like to call this chapter the where are we going to live? And by God's goodness, by God's goodness, we, we looked at a few places. Actually, we looked at one place. It was on Fuller Drive. We were number five or four or five on the list. Uh, we'd heard some stuff about the home. And um, we, you know, we meet with a guy, and he's like, listen, there's three or four other people ahead of you, but I want to rent to you. And I'm like, this is great. Thank, Lord, thank you. We thought you were taking us to North Carolina. We've dodged a bullet, and here we are. He's provided. Fuller Drive, 83 Fuller Drive, a little beautiful home, love the street. And so we settle in for the rest of 2019, but there's this nagging thing in us going, transition is coming. And I'm like, okay, Lord, are you taking me to this place in Fayetteville, North Carolina? And uh, all the Lord would say to us is wait. As you read the Bible, that's actually one of his favorite words, okay? And you know why? Because, well, he's good, that's why. But it, it produces something in us when we come under it. And so, uh, so we live out the rest of 2019. We get pregnant. We're, we're set to have a baby uh, in, in 2020. And so we roll into the new year. And, and there's times now where, like, I've kind of stopped thinking about it, but I still sense it. But I'm kind of, I have to go back to my journals and reread to make sure that all that happened and transpired uh, was actually real and that I just wasn't, it wasn't a dream. But we go into the new year and uh, the Lord, all he's saying to us is wait. And I'm like, Lord. If you want us to go down there, I'm telling you, I'll go down there. Just show me. And, and here's what he showed me. He gave me this picture. I was in the shower. He gave me this picture of a lump of clay yelling at the potter, like, hey, just do this. Like, like put a handle here, you know, but make it a little fat on the bottom, a little thinner up top. And he just drilled me by his spirit. The clay does not tell the potter what to do. Now wait. Okay, all right. We're waiting. We're waiting. Pandemic hits. All of a sudden, a year has rolled around. It's now April 2020. I reach out to the gentleman that said, hey, man, have you ever come, come, you know, considered coming back south? And he's like, dude, we're reeling. A month into the pandemic on the East Coast, he's like, we're reeling. I don't know. Like, we're, everything is on freeze. And I'm like, okay, cool. So we got word to wait. And so we're trying to minister. We're trying to be faithful where we're at. And uh, the baby is born in June. We told our landlord, hey, we'd really like to not have you show the house. I forgot to tell you this part. The house is for sale. Okay, for like eight or nine years for sale. Hasn't moved for sale. Uh, so he's been showing it. We asked him to not show it, like, when we get home with the baby. He didn't like that. And so we had, like, a little, like, threatened eviction scenario for a couple of weeks, uh, which was really uncomfortable. Um, but, you know, the Lord is just, he's just, you know, all of us are sitting back. And I'm so thankful for godly men that are sitting around me. And, and they're just kind of highlighting that there is something happening. We don't know what it is. All we've heard from the Lord is wait. But, like, just kind of hang tight. If, like, there's a way that you can pull back and kind of see all the things that are transpiring, just know that the Lord's hand is here. Just know that his promises are true. But in the moment, I'm like, I'm, tr I'm being evicted in a pandemic with a, like a weak old baby. And the Lord's just saying, wait, wait. Okay, Lord, we'll wait. So lo and behold, July of 2020, we get a note from our landlord. He finally stopped trying to evict us, thankfully. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then he tells us, hey, the house has sold. Okay, thank you. Man, I was, I was, Ashley and I were both relieved, like finally. 
it's sold. We'll just get another rental. It'll be no problem. And we'll keep doing this until the Lord does something. But remember, we trust and we're, we, the Lord's made it really clear that he's transitioning us to what we don't know. He's just told us to wait. And so now we, we don't have a house and we're, we're, we're good. There was times where Ash and I would look at each other and be like, should we not be good right now? Because we feel okay. Like we, we're just, the Lord is, has proven himself. And then it comes down to the week of move out. And another one of those big questions of faith going, hey, where are you going to live, Corey? Because we, had a, we, had, we were moving out on a Thursday. Tuesday, we were set to look in an apartment over by Nate and Jesse. We were really hoping for it, mainly because we'd have a house and we'd have some decent neighbors. And, uh, <laughs> and we were set to see it Tuesday afternoon. The, the lady calls me Tuesday morning and says, hey, uh, we've rented it to somebody else. And there's like no other place in the area code. So the first place I call was mobile storage because we got to be out of here on Thursday. And uh, so we got to put these things in crates, right? The second, excuse me, the second person I call is Ben going, Pastor, you know, I was feeling okay the other day. I'm not feeling okay right now. What do I do? And I, I don't even, I don't know if the Lord gave me, I don't know where this came from, but he says, the Holy Spirit is preventing you from getting a house. And I'm like, man, I hadn't thought of that. But it sure does feel like it. And I said, man, so what do I do? I mean, I, I've got a family. I've got a brand new baby. We're moving out on Thursday. And he said, you need to go see your family. Take some time and travel and pray. And so that's what we did. He said, you know, and so the, 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 the elders are now sending out one of their own to like, hey, just, just go pray, right, and, and see what the Lord does. And so this gets us to the state of North Carolina. I was set there to preach one time for a homecoming reunion thing. And we do that, and it's all well and good. And now Ashley and I are sensing from the Lord that transition has taken, like it's in process. So up until this point, we've been waiting. And now, without really any other option, it is in process. And we didn't like it. We didn't like it. And I can tell you that Ashley and I were probably at our worst sometime between September and December. Just questioning and reeling, going, why would we be here? I mean, I would, everywhere I drove, a place I grew up, I would be like, what am I doing? People actually make yard signs on purpose that say stuff like, Jesus loves you. I'm like, wow, where am I? This is so different. Send us back to the place that needs more of these people with these yard signs. And the Lord just kept saying, wait. Clearly, we hadn't learned how to wait. Or we hadn't waited long enough. So, Ben is, is real great. He's calling me. It's like October uh, he's like, hey, we should have a meeting. You know, we should, you know, have a Zoom call. Like, because if you're staying, like, if this is the transition, then we kind of need to transition you, like, out of the role, have a send-off, that thing. You know, or if not, you're still just, you're basically just a homeless elder of Rivertown, then, like, you know, we, we just need to know that, and we'll kind of save you a spot, right? And so, Ashley and I had, had, like, this conversation going in, and we're like, yeah, transition is happening, right? But then I get on that call, and, and Ben, yeah, yeah. You guys know Ben. I'm, I don't want to break this to him, but like, and I don't really want it to be true. And so I kind of softened it a little bit. Like, like if there's, uh, you know, like being in the state of North Carolina where we feel like God's taking us and an option to like kind of continue being a pastor at Rivertown, you know, for like the foreseeable future from distance, uh, then like I'm straddling those options, right? August excuse me, October 8th, I get a call from my supervisor at work. So I've been working remotely for HCRS. Lord's so good. And I get a, I get a call saying, Corey, uh, like, we know you're homeless and all, but like, you can't stay in North Carolina forever. 
I'm like, and? She's like, you need to call the HR director and, like, talk about accommodation, a.k.a. talk about, like, your job ending. And I flipped. I flipped hard. I lost my mind. I was upstairs in my in-law's house because, remember, I'm like, Ashley and I are living with our parents again. Um, And uh, I, I call Ashley upstairs, and I'm like, Ash, we've got to go back. Like, we have to go back to Brattleboro because I'm about to lose my job. And I love this. Praise God for godly wives. She just looked at me at, with, like, ice in her veins and was like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm about to lose my job. She's like, Corey, why are you freaking? She's like, the Lord has us. So you call HR and they fire you on the spot. The Lord has us. Stop. I'm like, all right, thanks, babe. In that moment, she's walking downstairs. And, I'm, and so I've been journaling. Like, I, I was like just zipping through one of these bad boys. And I'm just journaling stuff. And the Lord just stops me in my tracks. And he's like, if you go back, you're disobeying me. I'm like, okay, that's plain. I hear you, and we won't go back. But, but there was this, that it, I, I just cannot commend to you how good and uncomfortable and good and uncomfortable and good it is to trust the Lord Jesus. Because you're going to feel and probably, in my case, look like a lunatic and act like a lunatic. To where my wife's like, what's wrong with you? You know, and people are like, dude, don't you like take care of your family? You're living with your in-laws in North Carolina. Where, what's happening? But the Lord's ways, they're not our ways, right? His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so we just kept doing it. And, you know, I, 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 the one takeaway you do not need is that Corey and Ashley are, like, really superior. And, like, they, they were really well navigating this stuff, okay? All we were doing was coming to a cliff and just trying not to die, right? That, I mean, that was, that was every one of these scenarios. Like, it wasn't like there was a myriad of options. Uh, the Lord knew he, we couldn't handle that. We just basically had a cliff, and it was like live or die. Like, jump or, or like, go in the direction that I'm leading you, okay? So, nothing to our credit. All to the goodness of the Lord who's walking with us and holding us by his promises. You see, that promise that one day there will be a new heavens and a new earth. See, that grounds us in our living today that grounds us in our living today so now we're at a place where we've finally been able to vocalize that the lord is keeping us in north carolina i called ben like the next monday i think we had a call on a thursday or friday i call him on monday i'm like brother we're not coming back i'm that conversation i had with you i messed up it wasn't we're not still like we're we're not on the fence So, now what? That's the, that's the chapter title here, is now what? Living in my in-law's house, working remotely for Vermont, all my stuff still in New Hampshire somewhere, rotten in uh, storage containers. Pandemic is raging, now what? And here's the goodness of God. We had a, a sweet lady that offered us to rent her house. And we had a church that has supported us. Many of you guys know Corinth Baptist, Pastor Will Abernathy. They've been up here. He calls me and says, hey, we got a house. Like the church has a house uh, for missionaries, and it's yours for free. Like maybe just throw some money at the electric bill. And I was like, okay. The Lord just provides. You know what? The Lord, I, I fly up here. Many of you knew, like I, some of you knew, I zipped up here. Got, got a moving truck somewhere in a snowstorm in Mass, drove it through, like, the Pioneer Valley. It was beautiful and terrifying. Uh, ben, you picked me up. It was a, it was a mess. Um, we, we're offloading all of our stuff. We have some expert movers in the house. In, like, in this room, they were with me, and we couldn't get all of our stuff. And I'm b- about to, like, tap out. Like, I, I got enough money to get an airplane ticket in the moving truck. 
uh, but like that moving trailer that we need to get like the, the last items to North Carolina, I ain't got money for that. And a brother in this fellowship says, I got you. And cuts a check. The Lord just, so in like a week's time, the Lord's like, I got you a house for free. Oh, you need a moving trailer? I got you through the body of Christ. And so now we get all of our stuff moved in. We're, we're settling in and we're like in our homeland, but we're strangers. I think there's a scriptures about that. But it, but it wasn't, we're warm and fuzzy like it normally is when I read it in the scriptures. Ashley and I, we're lonely. We're changed since the last time we lived there. We feel we're battling these feelings of failure because, like, we, we left. Just all this stuff. But at the same time, it was so obvious that the hand of God orchestrated every one of those circumstances. And so in December, so I mean, those months were rough. They were hard. They were tough because we wanted to be nothing more than here. But we knew that the Lord had moved us. So I'm reading in Exodus one morning in December, like before Christmas. And I'm reading about how the the Lord, he extracts the people of God out of captivity, out of slavery, and puts them uh, like across an ocean, and, and they are moving towards the land, and immediately they begin to despise the hand of God. And the Lord comes over the top again with just one of these lasers, and is like, Corey, do not despise the hand that plucked you out of the land. In that moment, there again, it's just this clay and potter situation where the clay has got his arms crossed and he's downtrodden and upset because God put a handle here and not here. And I don't like it. Yet, what we see in Jeremiah 18 is that Jeremiah is watching this potter throw the clay and, and something's not right. And next thing you know, the potter just takes what he's made and he just crumbles it back up and throws it on the wheel. See, only the potter gets to do that. The clay is at the mercy, thankfully merciful hand of the potter, right? So we're going into the new year. Feeling a little more refreshed, no clue where we're going, struggling with some unbelief at times where it just hits you like, hey, Corey, you're just in North Carolina right now doing nothing. What's going on? And I'm like, man, we should start a church, Ashley. And the Lord's like, you need to wait. You need to rest. I'm like, well, maybe we'll start this thing over here. You need to wait. And it was like if my three-year-old tried to come at me and I put my hand down on his head and he can run as hard as he wants to and he's just not moving. And that's what it was. I mean, we, Ashley and I, we, we get these crazy things where like, we're like, hey, there's some neighbors over there. We should, we should do something. You know, like we should start a new church. And, you know, we're living in the parking lot of a church building and he's like, you need to wait and need to rest. And the pastor's talking to me about, Corey, hey, listen, I'd love for you while you're here, you know, to kind of be able to, to equip our church in some areas that you're passionate about. And I'm like, yeah, 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 that, that would be so good. And the Lord's like, you need to wait and need to rest. You know what? None of that stuff came to fruition. Because you know why? If we would have been busy, all of a sudden we'd have been a little less needy because we were not waiting. And so what happened was we just got more and more desperate and dependent for the Lord to do something. So a fateful day in January, a fellow named Barry Murray, who was a church planner in Maine for like the last 23 years. We, ben and I knew him. Um, he he uh, shoots me like a Facebook, me- Facebook message. And uh, he's like, hey, man, I heard you've transitioned back to North Carolina that can be hard. We should talk. 
And I'm like, dude, I would love it because I can't tell you how hard it is to describe to Christians that haven't ever made this kind of Abrahamic move like we just moved without sounding like I'm loony or I've lost my salvation because I feel it sometimes. Oh, like, Lord, what are you doing? And you start telling Christians that and they're like, uh, yeah, man, that's cool. Uh, remind me not to ask you next time how you're doing. And I go to him and I'm just raw with him. And he's like, yeah, man. That's, I remember that. You know, and he's just sharing from his wealth of God working in his life. And it was just like, it was like refreshment. Just knowing that somebody has bore these similar trials. And at one point, you know, we're talking about church planning, and, and I'm excited, and he's excited. We're just like, like two little schoolgirls school girls just like giggling and, and dreaming and thinking about it. And at one point, he's like, man, I mean, I didn't get any money, but you come hang out with us. Would you like to know where that guy is? Fayetteville, North Carolina. Remember back in 2019, the fellow that reached out to me also in Fayetteville, I kept telling people that we were really surprised that it seemed like the Lord might be taking us to Fayetteville, North Carolina. And then he corrected me. He said, Corey, you've been praying about Fayetteville since April 27th, not 25th like I should have. April 27th, 2019. Why are you so surprised? So, in short. Well, actually, I have one more because it's just, it will, it'll send it right over the top. Ashley, godly woman, excited to trust the Lord, not so excited about the potential move to this place. We're having a heck of a day. The kids are off the charts. I'm working from home and, like, you know, disciplining and, like, on a Zoom, you know, like, <laughs> And uh, if we get the boys in bed, we're having a call with this planner and his wife. And both of us sit down on the couch like 15 minutes before, and I, like, I don't even know if we're saved at this moment because I think I just lost it with these kids. Um, I've been disqualified. Like, it's, it was a rough one, and we're like, we cannot get on this call. Like, there is no way that I'm going in, and, it, and it's going to be at all profitable. So we just cast ourselves on the feet of the Lord. And hey, listen, here's the good news, is that that's good for every and all scenarios. So we just throw ourselves on the mercies of God that, that evening and say, Lord, we don't, don't want to have this call right now. Like, we'd love to reschedule, but we're like eight minutes out. So would you please move? And we get on, and, and we ha we're having just this sweet, uh, interaction, and they're telling us their story and their burden for this area, for the military, for the wives that are left home while their, while their husbands are, you know, off at war and, or overseas and other bases and training. And um, I'm, I'm already ready to go. Again, Ash wasn't real thrilled about the move, but like she's willing. But I see her as she's listening to Barry and his wife, Missy, you know, she starts vibing a little bit doing next thing you know she cuts them off I don't know what they were saying but she just cuts them off she's like guys listen I, I hadn't talked to him being me uh, she's like but I mean I, I, I we're coming to Fayetteville All right, hey, we're, guys, we're coming, you know, so I like get on the call, and it was just this, and, and if you know, and, and you and your spouse have been in a situation where, you know, that you're not just like 100% on, uh, together in that moment, right? Wait, trust the Lord and wait, and then he just sweetly and divinely brings Ashley over and she's hearing the needs of mothers uh, and children and she's thinking coffee morning and just let me care for you and she's like we're in and I'm like amen let's go so that's where we're at that's where we're at right now we are uh, we are in the process it's official we're going to be heading there's a church plant that is fledgling like we're talking uh, September was like the first time that they kind of ever gathered. And we're going to go and provide 
are, you know, all hands on deck in making disciples and then providing some leadership as a, as a pastor on the, on the team um, around, like, community and mission, you know, some things that uh, you've heard me mention a few times. But we are so thrilled. But I, I, wanna, I cannot tell you that beyond all the details, the most thrilling thing is that the Lord chose to speak. And that he chose from April 27th, where I'm going, Lord, what are you doing? To April 2020, going, Lord, what are you doing? To I'm homeless in August 2020, Lord, what are you doing? And I'm in North Carolina in October, going, Lord, what are you doing? And then in February or March, whatever it was, I'm like, oh, Lord, I see what you're doing. Let me repent from doubting your hand. So that's, that's our story. So, so, you know, when you saw us and then you didn't see us, that has transpired. And we just praise the Lord. So in this moment, we have, I have ended my job at HCRS. Um, we're having a send-off here now that I'm preaching. Uh, <laughs> And, and we're going full into fundraising, developing partnerships, and trying to get to, we're actually a little bit north of Fayetteville, the, the army base is a little bit north of the, the, the city of Fayetteville, um, but we're trying to get there as soon as we can, ASAP. So I'm going to be farming this, this summer, and maybe forever, uh, with my father-in-law, um, Helping to make, to try to make up some of that HCRS money, and uh, and we're gonna be fundraising and trying our best to get there as quickly as we can, um, because we are eager. Like in all that waiting and all that time, we were we were like, let's get going, let's do something. The Lord didn't let us do it. I'm gonna tell you something. We didn't know it, but that was refreshment, and that was rest. And I can tell you that we're feeling besides like the actual moving part. We're really excited to get to work for the kingdom of God. So that's our story. Uh, I've left out things because two years, you know, my memory's not great. But I read you that passage from 2 Peter chapter 3. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And I need you to understand that that promise held us in the waiting. In this letter, so just so you know, you can take out your Bibles and your notepads. Story time's over. Now we're going to this charge. Peter, this is his second letter to the saints in which he says, I am about to die. Like we don't know if there's a diagnosis, if he's just got like that sense about him that he's about to die, but he says like, I'm about to die. Therefore, like, heed my words. And this is the letter that we get gold like this. Listen to it. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption that is the world because of sinful desires. So he, he starts off this letter going, hey guys, I've already written you one. And I'm writing you another one because I'm about to die. And I want to remind you of all the great promises. And so throughout this letter, you hear words like, remember and I want to stir you up by way of remembrance, okay? When, I, when you've heard me, if you've been around Rivertown, I talk a lot about preaching the gospel to yourself or reminding yourself of the truth. The, the, the Bible's version, Peter's version of that is to stir you up by way of reminder the great promises of God. And so this letter is just chock full of a dying Old man Peter going, time is short. 
remember the great promises. And then he goes into something else that's really important in chapter 2 where he's going, there are wolves. There are false teachers. There are heretics. And they are out to get you. Be mindful. Understand. Be rooted that you may not be deceived by wolves. And then he gets to chapter 3. And he starts talking about these reminders and remember. So chapter 3, verse 1, he says, This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm writing, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. So there's this stirring up, this remembrance that he is trying to evoke from the people of God as his parting words. And so as these are my parting words as an elder of Rivertown Church, I'm not dying, but I am leaving. I want you to remember. Remember. Remember the predictions of the holy prophets. And all the commandments that you receive from your apostles, a.k.a. the whole counsel of God's word, remember. All the great promises that he's referring to in 2 Peter chapter 1. And then he goes in to, Peter's actually mocking and kind of picking at some people, these scoffers. He says, by the way, there are in the last days, there will be scoffers who come and they will mock you. And he starts mocking them going, where, where, where is the promise of God's return that the old prophets used to talk about? But hey, our fathers have died and, and he hasn't returned yet. Where's he at? When's he coming back? And, and Peter is going, these scoffers will be getting at you. You know, we see scoffers all throughout Scripture. Noah experienced scoffers going, where's that, where's that rain? Where's that diluge that you've been proclaiming? Jeremiah's got false prophets going, hey, when's that, when's that destruction happening? You've been talking about it. We're going to throw you in jail because you're crazy. Scoffers have always been around. And the reality is, and this is what I want you to understand as we think about a reminder, is that the world is a scoffer. The world is a scoffer. And, and the world is shouting the same mockery loud and clear in our day and age as they were in the day of Peter, the day of Jeremiah, and the day of Noah. Where's your God? Where, when's he coming back? Where's all these great promises that you guys have been banking on, right? Religion is a crutch. God's just a crutch for those weak-minded folks. They, don't, they just need something to try to hope in. And this is what he says. This is what he says. In verse 8 of chapter 3. He says, but do not overlook this one fact, family. He calls them beloved, beloved. I love it. He's just getting right to the point. Hey, these these scoffers are coming. They're questioning whether God's ever going to actually judge. And and Peter, he goes into the saying, he's like, "They, they have forgotten that he wiped the face of the earth with a flood. But now there's fires waiting. Judgment is waiting for the ungodly. But in the meantime... He says, beloved, do not overlook this one fact. That with the Lord, one day is is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, his promise, excuse me, as some count slowness. The Lord is not slow. But is patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So in the world 
of scoffers, mocking and questioning. You know, the reality is, is that those shouts and, and mockeries and scoffs, they can start to hit here. And it comes in the form of discouragement. It comes in the form of going, man, they might have a point. Where, where is it? Look at what's going on around us. Why wouldn't he just return like the clay saying to the potter, why don't you just do it that way instead of this way? But I need you to know something. Those feelings, when those scoffs hit home, because they will, if they haven't, they will, they may be hitting home this very instant. Like you may be sitting here going, you know, I think the scoffers had a point. And to be quite honest with you, in this last two years, I'm kind of wondering at moments, going, where are these promises? Listen to what Lamentation says. Lamentations chapter 3, Jeremiah, he says this. In verse 17, he says, my soul is bereft of peace and I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. My endurance has died. So has my hope in the Lord. Saints in the room, these may be your words. And if they're not your words today, they will most likely be your words sometime between your death or the return of the Lord Jesus. My endurance has perished. Those scoffers begin to hit home. But, and Jeremiah says in verse 20, my soul continually, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Listen. Listen to this and hold fast to this because these truths are rooted in that second Peter truth that we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth because if we get there, that means the Lord Jesus has returned and come back for his elect and he has taken us up. And it's all true. That promise holds this promise in verse 22 that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. That's where that phrase comes from. Right? Just so you know, you got a reference. It's not just a book title, a devotional title. It's a fire devotional. But it's from Lamentations that his new mercies are, they're new every morning as the sun comes up. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. You see, as the scoffers scoff, and as the mockery just seems deafening, it can begin to hit us. And what Peter is saying is, do not overlook this one thing. That time isn't time to the God of the universe. Time is not time. He works in it, but he is not constrained by it. A thousand years is like a day. And listen, listen, because this, this comes with assurance and a commissioning. He, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. The Lord not coming back, back in like August or September of 1994, was so that I could receive his forgiveness. The Lord did not come back in 2014 so that Adam and his family could be saved. The Lord has not come back in this moment. You fill in the blank. Who has yet to be saved? So there's this truth that holds us. 
and, and, and absolutely wraps its arms around us when the scoffers and the mocking is loud, when the culture is rambunctious like some, some loud prostitute. You see the, the prophet speaking about this in, in the scriptures about how it's just so haughty and it's unashamed and unabashed. And we look and we go, ugh, or we go, ugh. And he says, I have not come back, not because I'm slow, but because every day that I don't come back, it's mercy. It's mercy. Because I wish that none would perish, but all would reach repentance. Not that none uh, would perish, but they, we would, they would just show up to a gathering or you fill in the blank. The world's trying to fill in the blank that they would be a particular political affiliation or that they would say this or not say that or do that. Or, but he, the God of the universe, he is not slow as we count slowness, but he is patient so that none would perish, but all would repent and turn away from wickedness, away from lives filled with self, and that they would be forgiven of their sins and be made a new creation cloaked in the righteousness of Jesus. So you wake up in the morning and you see the sun coming up and you know his mercies are new. And you also know that he is being patient. Now get after it. He's being patient. This is a promise and a command because Jesus' parting words were make. All right, you, you just look at the sign up there if you needed to. He is not slow. He is not slow. But family, here's the thing. What, and Peter is driving this home as he's dying, he's telling them, hey, scoffers are out there. They're going to be loud. They are overlooking the truth. And here's the reality. He says, people of God, warning, you could overlook this fact. That's why I'm cautioning you to not overlook it. Don't overlook this fact. I'm not slow. I'm patient. But... He tells us, Peter reminds us what he reiterated already in the letter, that judgment is coming. And one day the Lord will come like a thief. And the heavenlies will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and all the works that are done on it will be exposed. That's a promise, and it sounds crazy, because it, it will be. But it is the assurance that God's promises are true, that a new heavens and new earth are coming, and that we will be with him face to face, and that he will wipe our tears away. And there'll be no more pain and no more death, and we'll be circled around him, praising and worshiping him from here until forever with our Lord, with our Savior. So, so you see, this promise, although I, at the moment when I'm wondering where I'm going to live, I'm not really concerning myself with the new heavens, new earth, except, hey, Corey, you don't have a house, but hey, listen, as bad as it gets here, one day you're going to have a house in the presence of Jesus. Hey, you just lost somebody, and one day you're going to be in the presence of Jesus. You just got a diagnosis. It's not good. As bad as it gets on this earth, one day you're going to be with Jesus. You see, all of a sudden, this promise, which seems a little bit kind of hard to even wrap our brains around, now connects to every, every doubt and worry in our lives. And when the scoffers come around and we begin to lose heart, Peter just says in his dying days, they've forgotten, but don't you forget. They have, but don't you forget. He says, what sort of people should you be? Verse 11 says, since all these things are thus, 
to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? In verse 12, these words should define how we live our lives, family. No matter who you are, no matter what your vocation is, no matter what age you are, no matter what, if you claim Christ, this is how we should be found. Verse 12, waiting for and hastening the day of God. Now, waiting and hastening. The Lord's been telling me to wait. He told me to wait for two years, over two years. To like not do something. But see, there's an active waiting. And, and, and the way it's active is by hastening, which is to be eager about, to bring something about. Now, we don't bring about, but we can be eager about the return or the day of the Lord. And you know how we do that? He tells us. Verse 14, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Count the patience of our Lord. That hit me this morning. Back in 94, the Lord didn't come back. And it was the patience of the Lord that he would draw my heart to him. Praise God. And, and if everybody in the room that has come to Christ, you can insert your date and go, man, it was his patience. It was his patience. And, and when, when he saved me, when I repented, I entered into this promise that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And that as bad as stuff gets here, we're going to be with him one day. And that can hold you through just like it did Jeremiah when he's going, I literally, my spirit is done. And I, my hope in the Lord is gone. But the steadfast mercy of the Lord, it's new every morning. It never fades. It never goes away. And that is what the people of God in 2021 must operate. And Peter's telling that to the saints here. And Peter, through a lowly, unworthy person, me, is exhorting and commending the church here do not overlook this fact and be found diligent, spotless, and blameless. You see, I, I, there's a fondness here for me as I look out and I remember when none of you were sitting in front of us. <laughs> and I look back and go, man, the Lord has done such great things. But like I prayed earlier this morning, and what I want us to leave on is, is basking in the promises of God and being driven to his commandments, right? He said, don't forget the holy prophets and the commands of the apostles. That's like, that's the whole of scripture. Do not be content to just kind of get your promise and go. He says, but you wait and you hasten. You, you wait as in like, trust me, believe me, and you better be eager to get after it. That we are committed and proven faithful when he returns. Amen? We love you guys. And, and I'm going to pray for us. But I don't want to, this is, this is tongue in cheek. I don't want to have to write a second letter. You know, those second letters are, they're trouble, right, Ben? Right? I, you know, Paul, and I feel this way. I'm not Paul. I'm not an apostle. But he wrote, and when he wrote, he said, listen, I want to hear well of you in my absence. Not, not for his glory. Not for Corey glory. But for the glory of God that the saints of Rivertown Church are standing fast, that they are blameless, and that they are wait, waiting, and they are hastening the return of the Lord. And that Rivertown Church has turned into Rivertown Churches, and that Greg Frost is no longer in this room because he's pastoring somewhere else. Adam is no longer in this room because he's pastoring somewhere else. That, that the church has turned over because people in this room got serious about waiting and hastening and going and proclaiming his name. Let us pray.
Lord, God, we, you have to do this in us. You have to do it in us. Would you help us to put away all of our excuses? Would you help us to put away all of the sin that gets at us, that keeps us from faithfulness, and that keeps us from overlooking, or that, that causes us to overlook this great promise that Peter writes about in 1 Peter? The great promises. And would you make us a people that are laser-focused, we are spotless and blemishless, and we are waiting and hastening. We, we are looking intently as we work for the kingdom, but we got an eye towards heaven, anticipating a new heavens and a new earth. And God, I pray that you would make us that kind of people in the room today. And Lord, would you do it for your kingdom so that Brattleboro is not known to be the Brattleboro that it is today, but that it'd be an outpost for the gospel, that it's a place where God broke in and turned this place upside down like we see in Acts. Lord, you, this is your business. This is what you do, but you have to do it. You choose to do it through your people. And God, I'm just saying, would you do it? Would you fix us? Would you mend us? Would you make us capable? And would you work through us? And Lord, if there's somebody in the room today who's a scoffer, who doubts the truth of God, who denies the truth of God, Lord, I pray right now for your great grace to completely wash over them. And that their eyes would be opened and that the veil would be lifted and that they would see the glory of Jesus and the great, the great uh, chasm between them and you. And that they would understand that it's the cross of Christ that bridges the gap. Would they understand that their sins can be completely cleansed and forgiven and they can be made a new man, a new creation, full of the Spirit, clothed in your righteousness, living with a purpose for your glory. God, only you can do that. And we pray it be in Jesus' name, amen.